Hello and welcome to a very special Survivor Series Countout coming your way from Ring Crew Radio. I am DJ Stackpole, the arbiter of all things professional wrestling and the smartest guy in the room. That doesn't Next take to much. Nikki K. Faves. How's it going, Pat? You know who we're talking to. <laughs> he did know. And coming off the top rope, as always, Franklin. I the just... high fly. Thank you for that intro, Pat. I appreciate it. You it suck, is, Nikki K. Fapes. And it is uh, Thursday, November 19th, which means Survivor Series is close. Four days. Four days. Yeah. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Otherwise, a very uneventful day, correct? For nothing else part. happening that day. No, nothing else. Utterly void of any important events on that day. JFK died about 48 years ago. On... He was assassinated. Yeah, he was assassinated. November 22nd, 1963. Sad day for America. Saturday was when Nicholas <clears throat> K. Fabes was born onto this earth. That's Nicholas K. <laughs> K. Fabes. <laughs> and so, as always, we are doing the Countout Top 10 Items of Interest for Ring Crew Radio. And we have a special twist on it today. It is the Survivor Series Edition where we talk all things Survivor Series over the years. No order. Chronologically. Chronologically is in order. You but no order from 1 to 10. It's so chronologically in, in the event when, I, when they happen. Thank you for explaining to our <laughs> simple people at home what chronological studies teacher. I thought about Holy. it. Oh, you thought, eh, nah, not for me. I was thinking about it for a while. So, <laughs> we have a list. Of Survivor Series moments that have been very near and dear to the three people here. Maybe not necessarily to anybody else. We realize we don't have a single item from the 1980s. Why is that, Frank? Because fucking Hulk Hogan sucks. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, it's before we're born. That's number one. Um, we could go back and watch it, but we all have full-time jobs. We could do that next year. We, we could do it next week when quarantine starts. Yes. Yeah. We'll all be home. But, um, look, the 80s in all are the same thing repeated over and over again in the WWF. That's not, you know, I don't have to watch much to know that Hulk Hogan held the belt for almost three years. <laughs> yeah, what are you, what are you even longer than that. But... And the teams every year, it was Team Hogan, the Hulkamaniacs, the, you know. Fighting some gigantic man. Every time. The promos, outstanding. The backstage would mean Gene Oakland. You had the gimmick. All four of them getting this common goal that they're going to beat Hulk Hogan. Talk a bunch of shit. Come out with three managers. There was a lot of managers back then. There was a lot of managers. A lot of talent, too. We could use more. But anyway, this list I'm noticing is also heavily represents the 90s, which I guess is also appropriate. We are 90s babies. Oh, what a time. Right. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll kick it off at, in 1990, exactly, when... Uh, the debut of a man we talked about the last three weeks, uh, The Undertaker, debuted for the Million Dollar Team, which was uh, Honky Tonk Man, Greg Valentine, Ted DiBiase, and Taker was the surprise fourth member. And he was managed by who? He was managed by, uh, oh my God. Brother Love. Brother Love, yeah. Brother Love, right. not Paul Bearer. There's, there's your fun bit of wrestling trivia. Brother Love was I the original. About Can you give me a Brother Love impression? Not a good one. <laughs> well, you're red like him. 
Well, yeah, I see that too. <laughs> but I mean, they faced against uh, Bret Hart, Dusty, Coco Beware, and Jim Nyhart. Taker eliminated Coco. He eliminated Dusty, and then he got counted out. Yeah. So, uh, DiBiase team wound up winning, but I mean, a debut for a man that no one saw, and kids were just horrified of him. When it was he a out. hell of a debut. Imagine yeah. you get the debut, and he squashed Coco right out the gate, and then he beat on Dusty. Yeah. And he even said, I saw an interview with him recently, where he said, as a big deal, go to the ring and take down the American Dream like that. Fresh out the gate, first day, you know, in the company. I got a front trivia one for you. When he actually debuted on Superstars, I believe either a couple weeks before or after, what did he debut it as? That. It was before. What did he debut as? What was his name? His full name? Kane the Undertaker. Yes, sir. I saw that and I was very confused. Didn't Bobby Heenum, uh, what did he say when he came out? Look at that ham hog. <laughs> that was Piper. Piper. Look at the size of that ham hog. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> What he's talking about. I mean, but you look at the kids in that crowd. They were legit horrified of him. It was great. It was nicely done. This was a time when WWE knew how to make a guy. He came out strong. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, there was no looking back. Undertaker was a main event guy from the moment he walked in to the moment he walked out. Yeah. Incredible. Period. It really is incredible. And to go to his debut to a, a year later talking about being a main event guy. So uh, we're jumping to our number two number item. Number two item, 1991 Survivor Series. The Undertaker versus uh, Hulk Hogan. We got to throw this over to the high flyer. So I watched this match for the first time ever. I knew what happened. You know, I knew the finish. I knew the gimmick. I watched it for the first time ever yesterday, and I was horrified. Let me tell you something about Hulk Hogan. That man took a tombstone. He looked over his shoulder. Made sure the crowd saw the tombstone, popped up like he never got touched. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. You well, want to talk about a no-sell. Now, you told you told us already you were not a fan of 80s wrestling. I wasn't born in the 80s, obviously, either. But I watched a lot. And let me tell you, Hogan no-selling a finish, that was standard fare. He didn't, he didn't sell any finish. We look back, it's ridiculous now because the tombstone got over as a move. But that's incredible to me. Incredible. I, In retrospect, knowing The Undertaker, where he is now, PJ, to see Hogan pop out of that, it is eerie. PJ, not five seconds on the ground. He jumped up. I know. It was like, you know when Hulk Hogan, when, um, oh, fuck, Ultimate Warrior took that pedigree mm -hmm. and just, whoop, same thing. It was incredible. How the fuck? Anyway, back to the point of the match. It was, you know, your original little screwjob finish. Ric Flair came out and caused chaos. Uh, <laughs> popped the ring in the chair. Take it, hit the fucking tombstone. Because, of course, a tombstone on a chair is the thing that takes out Hogan. And I'd like to kick it back to you, PJ. Can you enlighten us, the fans, at what The Undertaker talked about with, with this match earlier in the year? <laughs> yeah, so during that match, uh, Hogan was injured. He says that he got injured on the tombstone, and this upset The Undertaker greatly. Um, prior to the match, Hogan had told him, Brother, my neck is all jacked up, so I'm, I'm worried about taking your finish. Right? So, Undertaker says, I got you, brother. Don't worry. I'm going to have you. And so, when he hits the tombstone in the ring on the chair, and you saw it, did his head come anywhere close to that? No, Taker's knees ate that. 
knees, I mean, it would, come on, it's comical. It's laughable to look back at now how gentle he was and how obviously safe it was. But Hogan said he was injured. And if you watch that match at the end after he takes that tombstone, he's in the ring for a long time. Oh, yeah. He's in the ring for a long time. It's scary. And when he got up, Hogan can sell, man. Oh, Hogan yeah. can sell, and he was selling. And so story goes, he got to the back. Call my wife and kids. He laid da- Wait, he laid down on the floor in Gorilla. Laid down on the floor in like the man's an office, I hear. Yes, I call my wife and kids. You got me, brother. And, and Taker's thinking, oh my God, I killed the golden goose. And so I guess a couple of days later or whatever, uh, he looked back at the footage, saw clearly Taker did, had him covered. Well, actually, and I heard he, with that Shane showed him the yeah. footage when he came to the back. Because Shane didn't, I guess, like Hogan's shit. Yeah, and... Yeah, obviously there's some details I'm missing, but that's the general story. And um, Taker says after that he knew what kind of guy Hogan was and that he felt that Hogan really set him up. I had first heard that story from Paul Bearer in a shoot interview that he did. And Taker is confirming a lot of these stories now. He may I was just talking to K-Fabes in the car, Frank. He may have a whole second career now. Just talking shit. Because he's an icon. He's an icon to so many people. And he's also... You know, young people now and the driving force behind all things cultural and entertainment. Not not even wrestling. And he's an icon. But think about about this. He's He's transcended wrestling and he will continue to transcend wrestling. Yes, and beyond that, there's nobody with more knowledge of the WWE than The Undertaker. It's impossible to. He's literally the only person that's been there from... I mean, six years after the start... Or five years at whatever way you count it as the start, to now. Incredible. And, and the most important thing is, or the most interesting or the significant thing is, this is a guy who never broke character. Ever. And now he's coming out. Just full-blown. Here I am. And he's just bearing it all. And he's doing interviews with small podcasts, big podcasts. Seems like, you know, we're getting I- unprecedented access to his home. The house to, ain't going by itself. To his family, everything. Yeah, he was in People Magazine last week. I saw some shit like that. I was I was amazed. And one more thing on this Taker Hogan match. At that moment, Taker became the youngest WWF champion of all time. I think oh, he was yeah. 22. Something ridiculous. Maybe he was 25. Something ridiculous. A ridiculously young man. Unbelievable. Imagine being that young and, and thinking you, you took Hogan out for good. That would have been... That would have been the end of his career, probably. That's what he was afraid of. And, yeah. and evidently, he never really quite liked or trusted Hogan again after that. I mean, I know he worked with him a little after, but again... like, Oh, said, you don't remember that feud? When they fucking... Oh, American badass taker tied a rope around Hulk Hogan and drove him through the back. Oh, brother! <laughs> that probably jacked up his neck a little more. <laughs> hilarious segment. Absolutely hilarious segment. You think he told Taker he was worried about the motorcycle spot? Oh, yeah. He's on like a fucking sled when they do it. It's hilarious. With a helmet. With the helmet. You gotta have the helmet on, just in case. Oh, I don't know, brother. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, we can make fun of Hulk Hogan for probably three hours, but we're not going to do that. Uh, We're going to move on to 1997, to something we talked in very vivid detail last week about, the Montreal Screwjob. Um... Probably one of the biggest moments in wrestling history. 
Uh, and I would encourage anybody who might be listening now to go back to last week and get our full kind of context for it. But I guess briefly, yeah. we all know what happened. Brett didn't want to drop the strap. He was going to WCW. Uh, and Vince called for the bell when he's in the sharpshooter, and, and he dropped it. And it was a hugely influential moment and really shaped the Attitude Era. And, you know, it is what it is. Every wrestling fan knows. Probably the most famous finish of all time. Yeah. Yeah, you can't recreate something like that either. That that was organic. It was organically done and you screwed Uh, up. The circumstances were such that they'll probably never be replicated. No, I don't think you can. And, uh, I mean, who knows? If, If that didn't happen, Brett probably would still have a... I've had a career, I think. I mean, yeah. he, he got injured in WCW a few years later from Goldberg, and I mean, who knows? I think that's probably the biggest downside of the whole thing. Because if you look at it, Vince went on to become the huge heel. Um, Sean went on to become champion. Brett went to make millions of dollars. The one problem that I think we ran into is that Brett never came back, really. He came back, did a commissioner thing, or he, you know... Had that match with Vince. Small things. He obviously can't wrestle anymore. Small things. That was in WrestleMania. And the whole Hart family was there. Yeah, but he's a shell of himself. And he wasn't the the Brett that we remembered or wanted. He couldn't wrestle anymore. He got injured by Goldberg. Goldberg That, to me, is the biggest tragedy. That, hopefully, he probably would have come back sooner if the Montreal Screwjob wouldn't happen. I heard him say it in interviews. He said, I would have stayed away for three years. And then I would have come back to WWF. Imagine him coming back in that, like, 2002, 2003. Would have been a huge player. You think he still could go with that? Well, because you're saying if he never goes to WCW, he never gets kicked in the head by Goldberg. That's a key factor in all of this. You know. I don't see why he couldn't have had four, five, six extra years. Who knows? If he stays healthy. I mean, yeah. really, who knows? It's a shame. Next up, I'm going to kick it back to PJ, who's going to tell us about the Rock's heel turn, 1998. So this is the year after the screw job. And, you know, we said they'll never replicate it. They actually tried to replicate it the very next year. <laughs> <laughs> the The Rock was the people's champion. He was a baby face. Foley was uh, like a corporate stooge. And they had a tournament at Survivor Series that year. It was very good. Called the Deadly Games Tournament. I recommend anyone. The theme to- song, phenomenal. I couldn't agree more. Um, anyone who wants to see a really nicely, tightly booked tournament, this is where to go. With very high stakes, a very quick big boss man match, I remember from that pay-per-view. He got rolled up by The Rock in like six seconds. And then they swerved you at the end. Rock uh, got Foley in the sharpshooter. They called for the bell. And Rock became the corporate champ. He was at his hottest as a baby face. Then he turned heel. Excellently done, and my God, he was on fire. We watched The Rock his entire career. He was probably like 22 when that was going on. He didn't right? have a long career, though, in, in wrestling. I mean, In he, retrospect, now, really yeah. Did. He had, what, eight, seven, eight years? Feels longer. It does. and it Because was. he was that good. Because he burns hot, he burns fast, and he was like a shooting star. I don't want to get too off topic. He was gone. I want to get too off topic. I was thinking about his run the other day. The whole 27 to 28 build-up, payoff, incredible. Oh, it's uh, it's Cena? With Cena. Yeah. That was one of the best book feuds of the last 20 years. 
Yeah, I don't you know. have to put it up. There. I don't know. I just I, think it's up there. Don't tell me never before, never again, and do it the next year. Uh, don't do that. I, I agree. Don't but, do that to me, Frank Cliff. Don't do that. To but me. how are you going to put that? How are you going to let that judge the original feud? That's what I'm saying. The original feud was the first ever year long build up. Great. If it had ended at 28 in Florida, no problem. Okay. I had to get it the very next year again. I was there live. Yeah. Yeah. I was... saw it. And let me tell you, we were out of gas, Frank. We were out of the, gas. The first one was by great. The, end of it. the first one was great because you didn't know who was going to win. I and you, you got the Cena. shock. You thought well, Cena, yeah. And then the Rock, the Rock beat him, and at, yeah, at twenty-eight, at twenty-seven, twenty-seven. No, no 27 was Miz. Twenty-eight, twenty-seven was the setup. Twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Anyway, I'm great. sorry, we got way off topic. But the but Rock, <laughs> the Rock went on to face Austin at Mania in '99 for the title. Rock Austin. Yeah. After that heel turn, I'm just going back to yes to what we were saying. Right? And they built, uh, yeah, yeah, they built up to Rock and Austin. That was a hot match too. Yeah, they always had good Mania matches. They faced three times, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And this is why the '90s was great, and that was a whole list of '90s. What's our next topic, Frank? Are we still in the '90s? Oh, we're still in the '90s. We're right at the end, though. We're at one of the most confusing. I think, I personally think, one of the most confusing moments in Survivor Series history. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Confusing. Yeah, like when it happened, you just did not know what the fuck just happened. Was it Austin getting hit by the car? Absolutely. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> I just sat, I remember staring at my TV for five minutes saying, that's odd. <laughs> like, I, you know, and obviously the feud worked out in the end. You had a lot of swerves. You had Did a lot it of work out in the end. Did it really? I thought this is one of the best payoffs ever. For you, at least. For me? Yeah. Everyone and their mother, Frank, knew that this was Triple H. We knew his <laughs> fingerprints were all over this. Right? It was dastardly. Right? It was cerebral. Evil. It was cerebral. Favorite word. Right? How cerebral? You hit him with a car. That's, that's not cerebral. Well, they brought Rikishi into it first. I know, but you did it for the Rock. <laughs> that's ridiculous. These Samoans have been doing favors for each other for years. So Survivor Series '99, he gets mowed down. Jim Ross runs back there. They're on the scene. It's really comical. The, the Jim Ross going back there was hilarious to me too, because like they, I felt like they always tried to involve Jim Ross whenever Austin got really yeah. fucked up by somebody. That's what made it real. Yeah, right. It was. Oh, real. Jim Ross is there. He's breaking kayfabe. And so, yeah, it got ran down. And the story, well, it was a hot angle, man. I bet. I wanted to know who did this. They, you know, I remember watching it a hundred times because I had an old VHS of Survivor Series 99. It was Kurt Angle's debut match. The same pay-per-view. Wow. Interesting. So anyone can go back and watch that. Uh, and it turned out it was Rikishi, which was ridiculous, which was stupid. Forget the fact that Rikishi was over as a babyface. Yeah. No one wanted to see him heal. Why? Wasn't there anyone else that could have did this? Jericho. Badass Billy Gunn. McMahon. <laughs> Billy I thought Gunn. for sure it would have, was going to be McMahon. There was going to be a whole scheme by McMahon because he hated Austin so right. bad. And that would have been good. But they yeah. gave it to Rikishi. It was stupid. It didn't get over. So they reversed course. And they gave it to uh, Hunter. And then they had that Hell in the Cell, the big thing. And that was the end of it. Well, Disappointing, no, but a very good angle. 90, uh, what do you call it? Survivor Series 2000, the angle pays off. I thought that's one of your favorite moments in wrestling. 
the next year, this isn't even on our list, but yeah, Austin comes back and he drops uh, <laughs> he drops Hunter from the forklift or something. Something that, ridiculous. What is what did you say? But that was that? a year later, Frank. When he, Austin got hit by the car, he was he they put they did that because he had hurt his neck and he was on the shelf for eight months. Wow, incredible. So that that was not a payoff a year later. That was he had returned. Right. But then he then he launched his interrogation, his investigation. And oh, that's why. me down and he was. That's why he's not on sixteen, right? Steve, correct. Just gotcha. in 2000, he was off. So was Taker. What did Taker do at that point? He was hurt. But then he launched his investigation, Austin. At one point, <laughs> at one point, Steve Blackman was a suspect. <laughs> I remember vividly, Steve Blackman was a suspect. And Foley was a suspect. The Rock, I thought, would have been a good suspect if they wanted to make him go heel, to be the guy who ran down Austin. And he just made it Rikishi, and I, it was and it was bizarre. Armageddon Hell in a Cell, the Armageddon Six Way Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Rikishi was the odd man out there. Takes that bump, man. That's yeah. a big man to be falling out of. Throw him in the back. <laughs> well, throw some hay in there. Spe- I think we should. Uh, speaking of egregious Vince McMahon booking and moves, you want to you want to take it to two thousand one, Pat, for our next one. Sure will. 2001, the culmination of the most mishandled wrestling angle in the history of the sport. And that I can get behind. Mishandled 100%. They could have done so much more with this angle. So before we get into the match, the final match of that angle, Kayfabes, where did this all go wrong? How did they ruin 2001? WWF buys WCW. They buy ECW. Mm -hmm. And we think... We're off to the races. The Here talent. we go. Goldberg versus Austin, Sting versus Taker, NWO versus yeah. DX. Yeah. Bring in Flair, bring in the NWO, bring in Hogan, bring in everybody. Let's do it. And what we got, K Babes? Wow. We got we got Booker T. Which I, I mean, uh, Booker, Booker was T great. was booked as the biggest star from the yeah. WCW, and just like RVD was booked as the biggest star from ECW. Mm-hmm. Retrospect now. Yeah, and then I mean, you got Sean Stasiak, which, you know. Booker T and Shane McMahon versus The Rock. That was a match. That was a match. That was the faith they had in Booker T. They saddled him with Shane. I well, agree he got the most over of everybody who came over from WCW. Because nobody big. DDP and Booker. That was it. Yeah. yeah. And DDP, they gave that fucking, that, that angle to. Oh, oh with Taker and The Sarah, stalker. Yeah. Of all people to stalk on the roster. You're going you're gonna to fuck with the seven-foot-tall guy who makes fucking people end up on crosses? About the fact that DDP's wife at the time was hotter than Undertaker's wife. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's a valid point. Kimberly Page was a smoke show. You're not stalking Calloway's wife. I just don't buy it. I just didn't believe it. But that angle, too, could have been salvaged. It was just, as the stalker, stupid, but whatever. Yeah, they could they could have did a lot more with it and... and... Let's go through the match itself. Yeah, and then we got to the match with, with the 5-on-5 five five Survivor well, Series I mean, match. Yeah, so they, the whole thing was ruined. All the big names didn't come over. And so what we're left with at Survivor Series 2001, the blow-off to this gigantic company-wide angle that went on for months, Team Alliance, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, and Shane. Can you believe that was your Team WCW for all intents and purposes? Stone Cold Steve Austin, whose whole character was that he was mistreated in WCW yeah. and, and came, went to ECW and then went to WCW or WWF rather. Um, 
Kurt Angle never wrestled a day in WCW. Shane McMahon never wrestled a day in WCW. This was preposterous. RVD never really wrestled. W- Shane kayfabe owned it. Yeah, I so. know. As the first mistake yeah. of the angle. Yeah. Was making it another McMahon family brawl. And then they were against Team WWF, which had Jericho and Big Show. Incredible. They should have been on the other team. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> to they be were fa- with Rock and Taker and uh, Kane. To be fair, though, at that point, didn't Big Show probably spend equal time at each or even more time at WWF? If you need to get the alliance over because you didn't sign anybody, you signed Booker, you signed DDP, you signed Sean Stasiak and Shane Helms and, and Mark Blocks. Jindrak. And that, yeah, I mean, this is your roster. And then first thing you do is you say, Big Show, you're reverting back to the giant. You're going to be the giant now. You're yeah. going to turn on. Grow your hair out, Cox. Right? You, you have to. You <laughs> Use know, the knee pads. I think one day we, we need to sit down and rebook the entire invasion angle. Year to year. WrestleMania 17. Yo, WrestleMania if this 18. quarantine happens, as long as Governor Cuomo doesn't find out and break it up, we should do it. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I'll save it for another day, this whole invasion angle. Maybe we can go more into depth into it. But I do want to bring out one highlight, and that was Heyman and Jim Ross's commentary. I loved it. Great. Made that WrestleMania. But their alliance, when, when they were being invaded by WCW and Heyman was on their side and oh, yeah. Ross was WWF, they went at it, man. Oh, they, yeah. They were so... Funny. They could have taken that routine on the road. <laughs> Comedy show. They could have. It was hilarious. Jim Ross would just get so fed up. He goes, Who cares a band, Paul? Really? <laughs> oh, man. Do you know what, Frank? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of all the names on this list. Don't you two have anything else to say? Why do I got to talk about all these angles? Well, you, you know, you're the, you're the encyclopedia, right? Are you not? Well, of course. The I'm arbitrator not. of all things. People wrestling. are here in this voice. I, I'm not. I could listen to you for hours. <laughs> tell you <truth>. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what. We'll make a deal with you. I, I need, you take to dinner tomorrow night? <laughs> you Got it. <laughs> this fucking Don't guy. Don't drag her into this. I'll tell you what. We'll make a deal with you. You take the next one. We'll take the last one. Yeah, three. we'll finish off the, the list. Because the next one's one of your favorites. It is one of my favorites. I know. Uh, this is 2003 Team Austin versus Team Bischoff. Um, what a match. And if anyone out there in the ether, this is the match. If you walk away from this show with anything, walk away with this. Team Bischoff, which was Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, Christian, Mark Henry, and somebody else. And they Scott were Steiner. Steiner, yes. <laughs> Very good. Kayfabe with the save. It was Steiner. And they were accompanied by Teddy Long and Stacey Keebler and Bischoff. They had like a whole parade of just heels. <laughs> just evil people. Wait, so wasn't Rod- Rodney Mack wasn't in the match? Uh, no, he was not. I'm shocked. Teddy Long was there. And they were against the Dudleys, Booker T, Shawn Michaels, and one other. Uh, Booker and RVD. RVD was on Team yeah. Austin. Okay, yeah. What a match. What a match. If Bischoff's team won, Austin had to leave the company. And if Austin's team won, he was allowed to whoop ass again. (laughs) (laughs) Because because Linda McMahon told him, if you keep beating up people, because Austin was the co-general manager at this time. And she's like, you can't beat everybody up. And she says, you have to stop beating people up. And he was so offended (laughs) that he put his career up on the line. That's what made Austin great. He said, if I can't whoop ass, I might as well not be here. And he, so he risked it all. 
Oh, and man. it is Shawn Michaels' finest hour in that match. Really? I didn't want to go any deep because I, I don't want to. Someone out there will, will, will heed me and, and go and watch it and say, Dan, that was a great match. I don't want to tell any more about it. I don't want to spoil it. I'll so right. just say go watch it. Sean's right. best work, really. Sean's easily his best work. It is, ab- it is absolutely Sean's best work. I gotta. I might have to go back and... Some of his best work. Yeah. I, I'm a huge Kurt Angle, Sean at 21. I'm just a big, big fan of this match. Team Bischoff versus Team Austin. I'm a huge Bischoff mark. Huge, huge Austin mark. Huge Sean mark. And Orton's in there. Just great stuff all the way around. I got it. I'm, I'm gonna check that out. You you sold me on it. That's what I'm here to do. So you sell <laughs> me on this next one because this next. I, I will sell you. Our on next this, item on the one. list has your fingerprints all well, over. First, it. first before before we jump to this, you know what main evented that that Survivor Series? Goldberg and Hunter. Oh right, I just I just wanted to get your opinion. Of course, on I know what happened. <laughs> what always happens? I think he jobbed that. No, he lost. Yeah, Triple Hunter H lost. lost. Yeah. Yeah. Kayfabes. I'll, I'll jump. I'll, I'll, I'll take it from here. I'll jump uh, almost a decade later. We're okay. Gonna go, we're going to go to 2012 when one of the probably, if not the best trio of all time might have debuted, uh, The Shield with Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, uh, Roman Reigns. At the time, they were in NXT. NXT is now what it is now. Um, they were, you know, down there. No one really watched it. People knew who they were, but mm-hmm. they weren't getting the notoriety that they get nowadays. That's exactly how I felt. You didn't know who they were. You were Correct. like, yeah. And and Rollins was the first uh, NXT champion, if I'm not mistaken. No, Bo Dallas was. He was the F- S- uh, FCW champion. No, you had it right. Oh, Rollins, Rollins was, was the first okay, NXT yeah. champion. Bo NXT Dallas was people. more underground. You didn't hear as much from it. It wasn't as promoted. It really had a really cool feel to it. Yeah, I didn't know who they were when they came up. No, no one did. And they interfered in a, a triple threat match with Punk, Cena, and Ryback for the championship. Fucking Ryback. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget how over Ryback was. Oh, he was huge. Holy huge. shit. Kayfabe, was this the same show that was main evented by Rock and Cena? No, Cena was in this match. Oh, I'm sorry you said that. That's, 20, that's 2011 you're thinking of. Yeah, right. Cena, Cena main evented. Uh, what did the, it had to be a year before. Yeah, I guess 2011. Before, yeah. But uh, Ryback, man, he was super, he was on fire. To feed me more shit, the whole gimmick. I remember, I don't know if this happened before or after, but um, Punk did something. He went backstage with Foley, and they turned the camera, and Punk's (laughs) looking at somebody, and Ryback's just staring him down. And Raw ended like that. And then he looked at him, and it ended. And I was like, what are they doing with Is this guy going to go after him? What's going on here? And that was a quick push. That was after like four months of him just eating people. So you mean to tell me, if you take a guy, and you have him squash a guy, and then he squashes two guys at a time, and then three guys at a time, and then he starts jobbing some mid-card guys, or starts beating some mid-card guys, you mean he can actually get over? And, my God, imagine that! Yeah, he... They smashed him over, he got over huge, then Mark Henry fell out on him, and that was the end. Yeah, I remember. That was the end of right now. But it was fun while it lasted. Well, hey. I was into it. He was bald and hey. ugly as fuck. I was all about right back. But, e- hey. Even though that Mania match didn't work out, the next night on Raw, you got excited. That's when he heel turned on yes. Cena. Yes, yes, And instantly the character became 
fascinating, but didn't hold the buzz. Yeah, but this Shield debut, I mean, You incredible. said that they were the best trio in wrestling. Do you stand by that? I'm thinking now. I You know, they'll say the Freebirds, but that's way before my time. Yeah. I'm not familiar with the Freebirds. Really, I mean, trio, I mean... The New Day. The Brood. They've been in the Brood. They definitely boy Christian. I know he's in it. I know he's in it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as far as success, probably, because they were all champions. But as a trio, the New Day. I mean, look at that. Look at the tag team. That's that's my goal. I would give the Shield the nod over the New Day. Well, yeah, they were involved in bigger angles. But, I mean. I'm trying to think of this an old school, like, trio. Let's ask the five people that listen Demolition. to the program. If you can think of any good trio that we're leaving out. The Von Erichs. That was, it was four. like seven of them. There's seven of them, then they started dying. It's a terrible story. Why well, have to fucking depress like, every show? I'm thinking like LOD and Ellering. They're kind of a trio, but not the same. How is that a trio? trio. No, I want a, a, trio. a trio of wrestlers. I'm thinking of the Brood. The original Undisputed, uh, Undisputed Era. No, they're not better than the Shield. No, they're not, right. but I'm, you're talking about the conversation right. of okay. trios, right? But I mean, this group went Fucking on to just the original NWO. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But over. That's it. But you, if you include them, I mean, they would join pretty quickly by you know Big Show and. They had probably like seven or eight months by themselves. Maybe, maybe I don't think that long even. No. Oh well, Rick Rude right away. Nah, he came later, right away. Million was, Dollar Man. DiBiase. Yes. Not Rick Rude, DiBiase. Yeah, yeah. fucked and, it up. And the Giants and Virgil came in. But yeah, man, so that was a I big mean, moment. The they, Shield. they still have really successful careers. Even well, let's, let's just go through later. them. You have the Deathmatch superstar Dean Ambrose, who's now John Moxley, who's having a kid, by the way. Yeah, Congrats. congratulations to him. Yeah, I'm uh, sure he's going to hear that. I hope he does. <laughs> Would you say that Dean Ambrose has been the least impressive of, of the three, or the least when, successful? When the sh- when they started, I thought he was going to be the most. He, Me too. He, had the, he was cutting the promos. He had the look. He had a look. He was he cut a great promo for them. Uh, Rollins was just a secondary guy, and Reigns was just a muscle. And, I mean, I was wrong. <laughs> Reigns is the biggest guy. Right. Rollins was at the time. Right. Uh, and Ambrose, I mean, he was the, the guy at the time, but I don't think he ever really went over. He know. was the singles guy. Remember, Reigns and uh, Rollins tag. Yeah. But yeah. the dynamic part of it was I felt when the Shield first started, you thought Ambrose was the main guy. Then over time, you thought Roman Reigns was the main guy. And then it became the architect Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. I think that's also what made them so over as a group, is I think at different times they all took the helm. And it made it very successful. And when Reigns was at the helm, still Ambrose spoke, but Reigns would end the promo with believe in the shield or whatever the fuck he used to do. Right. And yes, if we're going success, definitely Dean Ambrose is on the lower end of the list. If he stays in WWE, does he have any success? You know, it's a who's who, but obviously I think Reigns is number one. That's a given. Um, Rollins at a close second. Equally pushed, though, if you think about yeah, it. Rollins, in, in retrospect Rollins now. for sure. Just Reigns got it first. And, but I'm sorry, no, Rollins got it first Rollins too because got he got first. the fucking he turned on. Yeah, the heel, the heel. Push. Rollins is a he's been a workhorse even more than Reigns. Well, yeah, no well, question well, it's not Reigns' fault. Uh, no, it's not. You know, I missed was, yeah. nine months to that. Unfortunately, it, yeah. I mean, I thought he was going to be the best, and it turned out that I mean, he's doing his thing in his in the company where he is now, but I don't yeah. think he's going to be as as successful and popular as as the other two are. No, and way. it doesn't come across as. 
in their league to me, at least. Maybe I'm just a WWE mark. I don't know, but he's never come across that way. I can I, think I, of one trio, though, that might be better than the Shield. What do you got? Ring for a radio. <laughs> there you go. That's right, how... If we were Shield people, who would we be? I would be Seth Rollins. I would not give you that much credit. I would be 100%. That would require you, would be you the to architect. think. You would be the architect. If the you architect, were the architect, yeah. the building's collapsing. <laughs> the fuck out of here. Your, your architecture would look like a Jenga set. <laughs> you know what he is? He's Kurt Angle when he tagged with the shield that one time. <laughs> and he put on the gimmick. It was hilarious. That would be him because he's bald. Why do you have to is make fun of my front? Oh, sorry. The last make... legal bigotry in the United States. <laughs> Go ahead, get to your next one. Who's gonna, who's gonna come over today? I'm, I'm, it's not gonna go that far in, in the, into the future, not, not ten days, uh, ten years. But we're gonna go two years after 2012 and go to 2014, where uh, one of my favorites debuted for the first time in WWE. And I'm talking about a man they call the Icon, uh-huh. uh, Sting. Wow, big, big. The guy who made Roxanne. Big moment. No, not that Sting. He guest starred in Friends, too. <laughs> uh, big moment. It was, it was a, a very was a big, big moment. moment. Uh, it was... About uh, four years too late. I think more than that, but we'll get to that in a second. It was uh, Team Cena. Cena, versus, Cena, Ziggler, Eric Rowan. Who got a push at that time. Big Show and Ryback. Incredible. Versus The Authority, which was Rollins, Kane, Luke Harper, Mark Henry, and Rusev. With Jamie Noble, Joey Mercury, Lana... Stephanie McMahon. Excuse me. Excuse me. And I'm J and J security. Yeah. And they took some fucking bumps. And, and look, I don't want it to become my shtick that I like have to bring Triple H in anything. Do you remember <laughs> the finish of that match? I do, and I'll get to that in a second. So it was if it's the team authority lost, then everyone uh then they were removed from power and if Cena's team lost, everyone but him was fired. Right. That's kind of a it was a good angle. I was with it. I thought it was a cool angle. They made I, it I, I interesting. Got, I got one major complaint. Okay, well, it came down to, to Ziggler and Rollins right. at the end. And, Go ahead. And Rollins, uh, Ziggler hit the, the zigzag, if I'm not mistaken, and then Rollins and then uh, Triple H pedigreed uh, Dolph Ziggler. And they were both lying there for... How long? Oh, Real, like, let's talk about it now. How long would you say between the pedigree... And when Dolph Ziggler's corpse is dragged over Seth Rollins, well, how much time has elapsed? Well, after the pedigree happens, then the lights go out and you hit, you get the the music from Sting making wow. his, making his debut, uh, and he walked to the ring real slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, took that all in. Then he he went, he dropped a he dropped Hunter Scorpion Death Drop. He dropped Hunter twice. Uh, yeah, and then he and then. He dragged Ziggler over on Rollins. So they had to be laying there for probably five minutes. Five minutes. minutes. Yeah. Minutes. We're not talking a matter of seconds. We're no. in minutes. It had to be. It had to be at least five minutes. It was. I was there. Minutes. I saw it. I saw what I saw. That's in that it was at that point I knew that the pedigree next to the atomic bomb was the most devastating <laughs> weapon ever ever unleashed upon humanity. But big moment, way too late. Shame yeah. on him for staying in TNA for that long. Shame on him. He's a grown man. He did what he had to do. He made a lot of money. He made, more money, than he made more money than PJ Sackwell. Hey, that right now. <laughs> they were, TNA. But to be a clown, to be a to be a literal clown. Yeah, I, and he, he clown himself. He should have came to this company much quicker. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he made it in just in time to get the fucking pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> and on and on he went. 
Why does every uh, fucking H thing is, go back to him? And Triple H's protege broke his back and we put him on the shelf. Oh my god. Uh, it bothered me that I didn't get that match. No, I just wanted that Taker Sting match so bad. Of course you did, because you Everyone love watching... Did. The promos, the build, it would have been epic. It would have been epic. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just don't think the match would have delivered any time before 2012. Could it have? Could it have delivered? It could have. Could it have If died? it happened in 2000... I don't think it would have mattered. I think you would have had both of them in the ring, and the fans just would have ate it up. Could they have done what like Hogan and Rock did at WrestleMania 18? Ooh, just good reference. Punch and kick. It's yeah. all you got to do, right? If they're, if they're with you... And, you know, they use theatrics, too. They got the ring shake. They can put it in the cell. Yeah. They could do a hundred different do a lot. things. They could have done a lot. Especially with their character, they could have done a lot. I don't know. I, I am... Two things. Number one, I do not think they could do it now. Number two, I am not sure that they're not eventually going to fight in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think it may happen. It is not I, outside the realm of possibility. Let I me tell you something. They're going to have Owen Hart come back in the Saudi Arabia show. The demands those people have are outrageous. I the Saudi prince. They got Sean to come back. They got Sean to come back. I know. It, it, the Saudi prince will... He wants sell a him. small village if it means he sees the man that he wants. <laughs> it's I, incredible. I, really, I thought that they were going to do the, the cinematic one after the Styles one got such great reviews, but I just I, I now I don't see it. With, with the Taker Do you want to see it? Their hairlines are so far back. They look so old. They're now, so, no. They I move mean, away. They move so gingerly. It's... <laughs> It's, it's you rough. don't want to see it. It's almost at a point where you're like, you don't have to do this. Yeah. That's how I feel on the figure is every time he goes to the ring, the show goes like, you don't have to do this. You've she given probably, these people everything. She probably says exactly that. Like, Not everything. <laughs> Vince needs me. You don't understand the show. And on top of that, if I was making a million dollars to do anything, I'd probably get off my ass. Just saying. A lot of money at stake when yeah. he gets out of his, yeah. uh, so let me his bunker you. in Austin. Let me ask you, Frank Cliff. Do you like Survivor Series? you like the concept? I love it. I think it's very interesting every year. I think that even though all our moments here we're talking about mainly other things, right. I think that the elimination match has a significance to it. I think it always is very entertaining. I think it's very good from like start to finish most times. I feel like especially since they've done the brand split a couple of years ago, I think every year that those matches, they take about an hour and they deliver all the spots and they make you think who's going to win and they deliver. That's I think it. there's two major um, services that Survivor Series provides in terms of matches. They they the big time team versus team match with high stakes, be it Austin's career, be it the WWF, be it Cena's career, be it right. the authorities. High stakes where you bring together people that don't like each other but will unite for like this random cause. The common brand, or it's or they're a team. Or it's good to make like these hodgepodge random teams is always fun. Yeah. To see like it's a random group of five guys versus another random group of five guys. That's how those early Survivor Series I feel were. Those 80s ones that we referenced. They were like this hodgepodge random assortment of different wrestlers. And they'd go out there. No one ever did pins. Everyone's got count. One guy got counted out. One guy got disqualified. Always had a fun. I, I loved Survivor Series. And I, I noticed that we didn't put any real team matches. We, have we, did, two. we did too. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else just matches in moments. Yeah. But these, Frank, again. What do you got? You give us your moments. What do you like? One of, one of these, I know, you said you had one that you really wanted to talk about. Yeah, because I don't think it gets talked about enough in the light that it should. I think this was one of the most shocking moments in the WWE. And if Taker doesn't lose at 30, it might be considered the biggest one 
in God knows how long. Goldberg comes back after not wrestling for 13 years, I believe, something to that effect. No, uh, 12 years. He wrestled at WrestleMania 20. So it was 12 years at that point. Um, And Goldberg comes back to challenge Brock Lesnar and defeats him in like a minute 30. If it was that long. It, yeah. it wasn't. It, wasn't it was three forty five yeah. seconds. It was, it was three spears. Something. It was three spears and a jackhammer. And it was that speaks fantastic. To the brilliance of Paul Heyman. Oh yeah. Who probably said, Brock, if you gotta do a job, do it quick. They won't talk about the fact that he won. They're gonna talk about the fact that you got beat in thirty seconds. And that's gonna be the story. And it's gonna be a sick moment. It doesn't really feel like a loss. You know if you get it done quick, it doesn't really feel like a loss. Mm-hmm. It feels like a loss if you wrestle a 60-minute match and then lose at the end. Yeah. And it feels like you right. lost. But this, great, great, great. And the good thing about it is they capitalized on it. It was it became a program. They went to Mania. Brock dodged the spear and suplexed them 100 times and pinned them. That Mania great. match was great, too. Great. It was yeah. great. It was a great I can't emphasize it enough. It was just great booking, start to finish. What was that Brock versus uh, Goldberg thing? I don't care that they're not full time. I don't give a shit. Maybe they didn't need the belt. Maybe Goldberg. Didn't the belt didn't it. need to be there. That's Probably my not. only argument. But v- very well booked angle. And it was yes. it was booked on a basis of the video game. It was, they were doing like fantasy warfare. And then well, this started before that because Sting signed to the video game and then magically ended up his way back in WWE. And then that opened the door eventually for this. Yeah. And it was insane because I remember buying that game because Goldberg was like the fucking pre-order bonus. Yeah. And then it ended up legitimately happening in Survivor Series. It was incredible. Yeah, that match. I, I, I remember that. I My remember fucking jaw day. hit the floor. I didn't. I, I thought that there was a 0% chance that Goldberg wins that match. Because now if we go back to WrestleMania 20, holy shit, what a disaster. Yeah. The last, I mean... If Austin wasn't special refereeing or enforcer, whatever the fuck his title was for that match, I think that match would have been... It still is one of the worst matches of all time, but it would have been almost unwatchable. Both guys were leaving. They did not give a fuck. They didn't care, and nobody cared. Austin didn't care. Goldberg's not really meant to wrestle long matches. And it's just a different time. I mean, enough time has passed that people warmed up to Goldberg again, yeah. and Brock kind of re... I don't know why he catches any shit, Lesnar. I don't know why he catches... One flake of shit because he works hard and he, he puts people over. Yeah, you don't believe me? Ask Drew McIntyre. Put agree. him over. O v e r. Put him over. Clean as a sheet. Not just in that match. I don't give a fuck about that match. I mean the the when he one ups him in the in the fight before the match. Yeah, and the you know at the go home show and putting his foot on his chest. Brock puts people over. Brock works. Brock is 100%. Brock gigs hard way every match. I won't hear nothing bad said about Brock Lesnar and his love and commitment. I agree. And, and I, I disagreed with you for a while. And then uh, for, for this return of his. And then that match at the Rumble with him, Rollins, and Cena. Ooh. Oh, man. man. That was something. God How about damn. him in the Rumble when he was put in his number one? Yeah. Keith Lee came out. Last year. And he just went, who's this big mother? Wasn't that fucker? last year? Yeah, I think so. And oh, yeah, yeah Drew, Drew threw him out. They booked an entire Royal Rumble based around Brock Lesnar. He's think about be, that. He, he wasn't in the match for how many years? He's going to be one of the, semin- the seminal wrestlers of our generation. And oh, he, yeah. He just, un- unbelievable. 
what well, he's put the career that he's had. The only thing you could compare him to at this point, despite the difference in title reigns and time on the actual screen, mm-hmm. think about like people how they feel now about John Cena. They couldn't fucking stand him. Now that he's gone, the thought of him coming back entices you because you've missed him long enough. I think it got to that point with Brock Lesnar now where people are actually saying, like, shit, we need Brock Lesnar back. And, you know, we, we started this by saying Undertaker was a main event guy from the minute he got in, the minute he left. Who else oh, we say yeah. that for? We can say that for Brock Lesnar. The beast. Yeah. Who came in, he beat everybody. He left, he came back, beat everybody again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never changed his character. Nope. Never changed his music. No, nope. changed his trunks. Really. No, he, well, he Nothing changed his trunks. He came back he, and became a UFC guy. Yeah, they got longer so he can advertise for his friends. Amazing. He's the only guy that ever got away with that shit, too. I, I know. Two, uh, two guys that have iconic music, let me tell you. Both yeah. of them. When yeah. you hear that, oh my God. And he's kept and maintained a level of credibility and yeah. seriousness. Yeah. And, and physique. Aura and, well. He's an animal. Let's Even not. When he's I mean, not fresh off a cycle. Oh he my! He just looks like like a strong dad, like he a looks, scary strength. He just looks like yeah. he could rip you in half at any point. But that's what made this match so great was that it, Goldberg beat him in forty seconds and got Goldberg over huge yeah. again. I can't talk of the shock factor enough, but that that's what made this. For and me. you know he's damned if he does, he's damned if he doesn't. You don't put, you know, he comes in, he's part time. All right, so we're gonna put Goldberg over clean as a sheet, flat in thirty seconds. He's just making all this money in wrestling, short matches, shame yeah, on him. Yeah. No matter what he does, they're going to complain about right. it. How about, how about that he entertains you and he doesn't insult you ever? He never felt insulted. Dean Ambrose insulted me in his match the way he took it. I wasn't insulted by Brock Lesnar. Why? Brock Lesnar eats that turnbuckle. He eats that guardrail every match. He don't care. What insulted you about Dean Ambrose's match? Is it the between the ropes and back? The, eh, it's okay move. I, I was offended that he wrestled in a black wife beater. And that he wrestled in jeans and that his tongue was always out of his mouth. Brock! Brock! I know. Like, I know they tell you to do these stupid things, but put your foot down once in a while. How did Austin get what he got? Steve Austin. They asked him to do something stupid. Eat like shit, it. Vince. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not. Like, well, what do you want to do instead? I don't know. But I'm not doing that. And get some control of your life, Dean Ambrose. You're a big star. Get some control of your life. You shouldn't have been doing those matches the way they were doing. You shouldn't yeah. have been acting like a clown. Should have been doing something else. Oh, man. Well, now that we're done ranting, I think we can... uh, We're not going to do a history in wrestling because... We did it already. We We did did it already. This whole episode. We got got a Survivor Series this Sunday. Survivor Series. Can't fucking wait. On the WWE Network. Can we get a guest with us? We might. We might have a guest. We might have a guest for a recap. I'm waiting for to hear from his people. I'm his people. Oh. <laughs> well, then give us an answer, and then we'll find out. I don't know, Frank. He's heard you said some shit about him. He's not happy. He's not a happy man. Oh, fuck him. All right. We'll see. Maybe. I don't give a fuck. Cheesecake man? I don't know. Oh, fuck. I don't want to say his name. I don't want to fuck with that guy. He probably fucked me up. But fuck it. Um, yeah, so we'll see everybody Sunday. Happy birthday to everybody but Nikki Kayfabe's on Sunday. <laughs> we'll see you on Sunday. We're going to get you a cake. Everyone join us on air to have a cake Thank you. for Nikki Kayfabe's. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Enjoy your week.